Hello and welcome to the Creative Me podcast with your host Ike Headlam. We are finally back after a pretty long break. Um, I don't know if you can say Happy New Year. I think you can now. Yeah, I think you can say Happy New Year. So Happy New Year everyone. Hope you had a good Christmas and a good Hogmanay. Um, today with me I've got someone who I met a couple of years ago. Her name is Jenny Hood. Jenny is a 2009 first class honours graduate from Gray School of Art. She works primarily in photography, digital collage and two-dimensional paper-based collages. Her work has focused upon the many faceted and complex relationships between humans and non-animals. Non-human animals, yeah. Yeah. That's it. And I ripped that all from my website, <laughs> so if you don't mind. That's quite all right. You need a, right. need a mission statement, don't yeah. you? Yeah. Well, welcome to the podcast, Jenny. Thank you very much. Yeah. And we were just speaking briefly before about 2006 that we did this course of the creative learning team, Sustaining Life as a Creative. And yeah. the kind of acronym for that was like Slack. Yep, we were slackers. Yeah, yeah. I thought everyone kind of had a bit of a laugh about that. But that, that was like two years ago. And I think everyone in that group has obviously had different kind of creative journeys and stuff like that since then. I was kind of wondering what kind of you've been up to since I last saw you. Yeah, I think when I did that, it was like I really put my foot on the gas after that because it was such a nice experience um, of going into a room full of people who were kind of just like me, who maybe had day jobs or part-time jobs and they're trying to make an artistic practice or something work. And it really gave me a confidence boost because I didn't feel so alone. And I realised I could push myself a bit more and I just went out there and I started with a a collaborative exhibition with another local um, maker, Helen Greensmith. I'm wearing one of her scarves today. Uh, She runs a label called Helen Ruth Scarves and me and her did a a pop-up exhibition at Curated Stories Studio and that ran for four weeks and I made uh, a body of work for that and I did it all very quickly and we just threw everything together and it really felt like that got the ball rolling and after I did that I just applied for open exhibitions and so I had things in like New Wave Gallery, I had something in the Royal Scottish Academy show and, and then I set myself up as a freelance artist and I call myself a creative consultant, which basically means you can do anything. Okay. So just keep it vague and you can do anything. (laughs) So I've taken on freelance jobs since then and I work um, for the barn out in Bankery. I have a couple of posts there where I work with artists and makers and designers and that's been really great as well. It's just because I always thought if I can't make my own artistic practice work, I'd love to support other people developing and growing theirs. And that role's been really instrumental in, in that. Um, I think it's, you always need a plan B, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've just really kind of accelerated what I've been doing. And, mm. I mean, it's been really tiring and I've had a crazy couple of years, but I wouldn't change it. It's been yeah. great. I've had some great experiences since then. Mm. And the Slack course was amazing. Um, mm. It was such a nice environment the creative learning team are lovely yeah. and I you know I've kept in touch with pretty much everyone yeah so it's been it's been really good yeah I think even definitely like you know for me it's been a, an amazing experience and stuff you know and then I know like you know as I was speaking before that they're going to do that again this year so I think for anyone who has the opportunity to go on this slack course absolutely go ahead for it and just do definitely. it and stuff because for me it was a massive confidence boost as well yeah you know so I definitely um, really value and enjoyed that experience I think um I've had, you know, a lot of creative people on the podcast before, but I think you're the kind of first, like, artist on the podcast. So, (laughs) um, I was kind of, in some sense, quite curious as to, like, you know, what what for you does it mean being a creative or an artist? In terms of how do you define that? Like, 
in terms of do you need to have training or do you need mm. to just feel that you're looking for a creative outlet no I don't think there's anything that particularly defines it because it, it's quite a broad spectrum thing and you don't necessarily have need to have gone to art school or you know pursued that particularly I, I don't define it in any way I mean I meet people all the time who are creative in all different ways and I think that sometimes it's just for people pinpointing that particular outlet that works for you it's almost like I'd compare it to finding a sport that you like yeah like you want to I want to be fit and healthy but I don't really know I don't like being playing team sports or whatever it is and I think that's another thing that the slack thing was good at because it kind of helped me to refine what I was doing because I think I was trying to do too many things at once um but no I, I don't think there's any kind of parameters on what it means to be a creative mm. at all yeah and okay. people should be discouraged by that yeah I think you're definitely spot on you know because I think I, I don't know whether this is kind of the true but I think years ago there would have been a thing of like someone being trained as a artist in a particular kind of you know medium but it seems like even on the slack course there's lots of people on that course that we did that weren't you know formally had that kind of qualification stuff but doing amazing creative things so it's kind of nice to hear from what you're saying that actually no you don't need this you can actually no. you know if you have that thing that you need to do and you want to kind of like you know present it to people and make a career out of it like you know go ahead and do that yeah, absolutely. I think mm. there's way less barriers now, especially mm. with um, social media mm. and being able to create an online platform for yourself because a lot of the most inspiring art and interesting art I see, I find it on Instagram mm -hmm. and it's from people all over the world mm. and they're not necessarily art school graduates, they're just people who have a passion for something mm. or they've got a particular talent and a lot, I love seeing that and yeah. I think that that's really opened it up to a lot of people because... There's people who just exist as Instagram artists, and that's their only platform, but yeah. they've got tens of thousands of followers. Mm. But I don't think that, you know, you need to feel like, I must have gallery shows to be successful. I yeah. think it's the model has totally changed. Yeah. Do you ever kind of, like, have a, remember the final moment you said, I am going to be an artist? Yes. Yeah. I... I think I was the child who was never separated from paper and crayons, mm. and I remember saying to my mother... I'm going to be an artist mm. and her probably thinking oh my god like couldn't you have said I want to be a doctor or something useful because <laughs> 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 so, uh, no I mean academically I wasn't terrible mm. academically I mean I, I started a PhD which I didn't finish mm. um, but I think I always had a desire for creative expression and that was where I felt most comfortable I think yeah. I quite enjoy writing but I think that there's something about using visual art to express yourself that's quite different yeah. sometimes words aren't enough or suitable but I mean don't get me wrong there's people who can express themselves way more eloquently with words than I ever could mm -hmm. but I think I've always you know I've always had that that kind of creative core I would yeah. say yeah. Um, and I've channeled it into different things over the years mm -hmm. when I first left school I went and did um, fashion design at Harriet Watt University but I did not last okay. I did not last why not? Um, do you know, I loved fashion and I loved um, the idea of, you know, very kind of avant-garde design. And I was like, you know, admiring all these crazy catwalk creations, I think, when I was at school. And I thought, oh, I'd love to do something like that. And then you're kind of like, here's what it is to do pattern cutting. And I was like, I am awful at this. Okay. And like, in terms of, I mean, it's an amazing skill and... I just couldn't quite grasp it. And I remember very vividly, I lived in a like a student flat with a huge group of girls and one of them said to me one day, 
You know, Jenny, you don't really look like a fashion student and you don't act like a fashion student. You're more like an art student. And I was like, that's a compliment I'm going to take. <laughs> I could backhanded one of it. <laughs> yeah, that, of like. course, as every, every compliment <laughs> in that flat would have been. Right. <laughs> but uh, so I ended up coming back up to Aberdeen and going to Grey's mm. and I did not regret that one bit cool. because doing the, the first year you get to try on everything for size. Mm. And I found that I gravitated quite naturally towards something I'd always enjoyed, which was photography. So um, I kind of got to do more like darkroom processing, which is something I was lucky, lucky enough to do at school as well. And uh, I kind of went from there and mm-hmm. ended up going from using photography and that's everything from analog um, and doing color processing, which was really amazing and going into digital and then making films and Eventually, I started making stop frame animations, mm-hmm. which was part of my degree show. I haven't made one of those in a long time, mm-hmm. but I've sort of discussed it with a few people doing some quite fun promotional things. So yeah. maybe watch the space for that. Cool. But yeah, it's been it's not been a linear path at mm-hmm. all. In fact, I was having this discussion with, I think it was somebody yesterday, I think. And I was saying that lots of careers, it's like very linear. Like mm-hmm. if you're a teacher or a doctor or something where you're, you do a series of qualifications and you move in this nice straight line. Yeah. Whereas if I was going to draw mine, it would be like all over the shop, a, a wiggly, <laughs> crazy line. Mm. And I think in a way that's good because it makes you quite a diverse, you've got a very diverse CV there, yeah. but, but, but it can be quite hard because you can see people around you that you maybe know, friends or family, and mm. it can feel a bit like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to be doing next month, never mind yeah. the next five years. Yeah. So there's a lot of uncertainty there, but that can be exciting. And I think it makes you quite resilient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As well. You know, for you growing up, you know, like some people say, if you're like, also you're a naturally talented person and creative person. Did everyone say like, oh, she got that from that relative there? That, well, uh, a little, I think a little bit. My mum was quite um, good at drawing. She's okay. very good at drawing. So mm-hmm. she used to kind of encourage me and... Um, sort of help me if I was stuck with something, if I would say, oh, I can't shade this bloody banana. What's this drawing? Like, I had a thing that I used to buy. I mean, the house was permanently full of all these flowers that I used to buy to draw. And uh, so, you know, like the place reeked of lilies. And, uh, you know, she was very encouraging. Mm. And um, I think my parents were totally accepting of the fact that I wanted to go to art school Mm. and... Like, I think I, I was speaking about that also recently. I was like, I could have gone and done languages, which is my other love. And I was yeah. like, I could have been this successful globe trotting, like in my mind. Yeah. I, you know, I'm living this other, like sliding doors. I'm yeah. living this like high, you know, jet setting lifestyle as a translator or something. But instead I was like, no, I'm going to do the thing that won't make me any money. I yeah. won't provide job security mm. because <clears throat> that's totally not the point. Mm. I think if I was motivated by making money, I'd be, I'm in the wrong, wrong yeah. place. I think there's a thing of like, you know, going out on your own and doing something creative and sticking to your convictions. And like you're saying, um, there's probably some aspects where you can like, oh, financially, this is not going to be like, you know, a sound, it's not going to be like the monthly, no. here you go, here's your paycheck and you can pay your mortgage and your rent and stuff. No, know? not at all. That's yeah. why, I mean, I've always had other jobs yeah. to support myself, mm-hmm. which has been a key part of it, which I think is good because, you know, sometimes I've needed the money to to invest in, in materials. and But I think now it's a lot easier for me because I've separated my business from my personal in terms of my financial situation. Yeah. So I can use my business to pay for things, mm-hmm. which is quite liberating yeah. it's been it's been a really good positive step setting myself up as freelance I mean it can be quite daunting because you're like 
oh my god the tax man and things yeah. like that yeah. and I sort of find myself filling in forms and I'm sure I'm going to go to jail and <laughs> like, <laughs> I've missed out a couple of zeros or something like, yeah exactly please don't send me a letter saying I owe this amount of money in the new year oh know? my goodness yeah I've just done that I've just done a tax return so anyone out there if you haven't done it by the 31st of January get it done get it, it done yeah <laughs> I was sweating but I got it done <laughs> did, you, did you kind of get somebody to check over it as yes, well yeah. yes thankfully uh, my mother once more to the rescue right. she's uh, a finance sort of brain so that was oh, okay. <laughs> yeah I'm like yeah. are you sure this is going to be okay yeah but uh, yeah it's been been smoother than I, I anticipated yeah I think um, when I first saw your work in 2006, 16, so not 2006, 2016, um, like there was kind of stuff like, you know, um, insects kind of collages mm. and stuff like that. really kind of cool. And I think I want to kind of um, explore with you, like what I mentioned in the kind of intro brief about, you know, you kind of interested in the many faceted concepts and complex relationships between humans and non-human animals. So where did that kind of idea come from? Um, I think... I'm trying to think about this. I started working with taxidermy in my third year of university. I became very interested in that. So I was using it for photography and I was using it in animation. And then I suddenly had this thought one day. I was like, can you really consider like the dead body or the preserved dead body of an animal as an art material or as an object? And it kind of intrigued me. At what point did this animal become an object to be used or to be in your house as decoration? Mm-hmm. And I found that quite curious and it sort of spoke a lot about our relationships with animals mm-hmm. and how we look at animals to we view them as, you know, possessions or companions or, you know, in terms of like the differences between companion animals like dogs and cats and how mm-hmm. we look at them, but how we look at, you know, sort of livestock. Mm-hmm. And I sort of went on this very big sort of tangent. I would say that research is a core part of my practice. Like if I'm interested in something, I want to know everything about it. Yeah. So I read and read and read and I ended up going and doing a master's that was um, called Environment, Culture and Society at the University of Edinburgh. And a lot of that I explored um, sort of the ethics of, of working with animals as an artist. And I got really interested in artists that use biotechnology to create artworks. Mm. So I went on this huge kind of tangent. So basically I've always been really interested in how, like particularly with insects, mm-hmm. Like, they're sort of, like, okay when you see them outside, but when they're in your house, you're totally, like, this is unacceptable. Like, a spider creeping under the door, you're, like, intruder. Yeah. But, you know, they don't know anything about Mm. that. They don't know where these invisible borders lie in our minds of, like, what's acceptable and what's not. And I think particularly with insects, because they are so alien and unfamiliar looking, Mm. um, you know, they almost look Mm otherworldly. Like, ugh. I mean, I, but the thing is, I love them. I'm yeah. so fascinated by them um, at the same time. So I think that's where that kind of project came from. And then I had an experience when I was maybe, it would have been about 2011. Mm. I lived in a flat where, unfortunately, because of the damp conditions in said flat, this was like, I can only describe this in my, if, if I had an autobiography, mm. this chapter would be called A Series of Unfortunate Events. <laughs> and so, the, so the, flat, the flat got damp everything went moldy and then these insects appeared that eat mold so my entire exactly my entire house this entire flat was infested with them now i am not joking they were on everything they were in my clothes they were everywhere and i was having a pretty difficult time at that point personally and this was like 
the final straw and it really affected me psychologically. I spent most of my time looking for these bugs. And when I did the exhibition I spoke about earlier at Created Stories, the body of work I actually developed, I called it the formations of toast crumbs and other catastrophes because I read this book where um, apparently if you get bitten by fleas Mm. a lot, it affects you psychologically. So you start looking for fleas and thinking they're everywhere. Yeah. And people were coming into labs with things that weren't actually fleas, they were actually toast crumbs. Okay. So I was like, <laughs> sort of making a point of yeah. like how you can totally warp your own perspective just by this kind of invasion of what you see is an invasion of your space. And yeah. it was an invasion of my psychological space yeah. as well because I was like, this is just... I mean, I got out of that situation, yeah. obviously. But I mean, I had to have everything either thrown in the bin yeah. or sprayed by pest control Jeez. which was great I'm hoping that said flat wasn't in Aberdeen no it was in Glasgow actually oh, okay. it was <laughs> right. in Glasgow no which is right. a very damp city uh, yeah. um, it was just unfortunate mm. it was just yeah it was a very it was like a, a pipe had leaked okay. from a flat above right. and all this drama and uh, I didn't have a very a very nice landlord who was willing to help with that okay. so I ended up having to leave that flat yeah. Um, yeah it was just a very strange kind of yeah series of events but it really did impact me and at that point I wasn't actually making any artwork because I was focused on on doing this PhD and it only came later when I started making work again I kept finding that I just was like insects 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 I kept picking everything up with insects and I sort of realized that for for me insects kind of represented the the line between order and chaos that yeah infestation and things like that it was all that was yeah. all part of making that that particular mm. body of work anyway. Yeah. Now it's interesting when you say that because it's absolutely spot on that, that context of when I've seen a spider in my warm house. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing in here? Yeah, right, you're you like, know, yeah. Uh, excuse me, no. Yeah. And even afterwards, and then like, you know, my partner's like, oh, I feel really itchy now, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. It's just like, or if you see something on TV with something like, you know, like a David Amber series, and oh, you're like, yeah. oh, but oh. then you kind of feel that itch. I don't know. It's kind of interesting how it is actually, yeah, in the context. Like if it was yeah. outside, you'd be like, oh yeah, that's just a slug or a snail, you know. But, yeah, but if it was on your carpet, yeah. you'd be like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. that whole, I'm really interested in this whole kind of attraction, repulsion yeah. kind of dynamic. And I've always been interested in that in my work. That with insects particularly, you can look at them mm. and like they can have these beautiful shells. Mm. And But when you turn them over and they're kind of like all these legs and it yeah. can be a bit like, whoa. Yeah disconcerting there's something about something uncanny i think about insects because apparently i was reading the reason that people are afraid of spiders because i am an arachnophobe and i will admit that okay i mean any other insect i mean so up to six legs Mm. we're all good okay more than six (laughs) legs like say when you start getting into arachnids and centipedes and all those Mm. you know those kinds of guys i'm totally not down with that (laughs) (laughs) but apparently it's because your brain can only kind of cope with so many number of legs. Yeah. And once it's like eight legs, you view it as a group. Oh, so your brain okay. doesn't really know what's yeah. going on. It, it thinks it's a group of things rather than one mm. thing. So that's kind of the basis of the who. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I mean, luckily I haven't, ha- you know, I haven't seen one. They seem to find me. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I have not featured spiders in my work funnily oh, enough. Okay. Maybe, right. I, maybe I'll need to do that as like some sort of therapy for yeah. myself to like, you know, get over that phobia. Cool. But I, people say to me, why are you afraid of them? They're so small. They won't do anything to you. And I'm yeah. like, a phobia is not meant to be rational. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, you can't say to someone, the clown's not going to touch you, it's fine. Because it's clearly not fine. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's interesting hearing you speak about that, because I never thought about that in that way, you know, like, as humans, our relationships that... Uh, insects or like you know bugs and stuff is is kind of otherworldly. They are these little kind of alien like mm. foreign like creatures to us a bit still, isn't it? So that kind of like oh take take a step back. I'm not sure about this and stuff. You yeah, know? I yeah. mean uh, absolutely. I think what you're saying about sometimes you see it on the TV mm. and you're like, I remember watching a, a probably a David Attenborough. Mm. It was like it was all about these caves and they were like oh look and there's all these bats. But they're like, oh, down below, and the floor was like loping with cockroaches, and I was just like, wow, there's somewhere I never want to go. And it does make you feel like, whoa, that makes you feel really uncomfortable. And I think with some of my images, I've taken Mm. like macro, some of my photography work, I've Mm. taken like macro images of lots of dead insects. And people have said that to me, like, it really gives me the heebie-jeebies. I mean, particularly, I took one, a really up-close macro photograph of a a fly that had been like fried in a one of those electric bug zappers and when you got right up close to it i mean it looked like some sort of you know casualty of war it looked like something you know something really atrocious had happened to it but what that was for me that was like we hate those Mm. we hate flies so Mm. much that we We've devised these devices to dispose of them in yeah. a really quite yeah, brutal way. Kind of like extreme, the kind yeah. of devices. Like yeah. maximum prejudice. Yeah. It's like you've got bug sprays that are these horrible toxic sprays, mm. and we've got zappers, and you're like walloping them with newspapers, yeah. and you think like <laughs> it does. You know, it depends how you look at it. But yeah. I mean, it depends if you're a Buddhist or not. Obviously, yeah. That? I mean, yeah. that would, that would be a big a big no no. That'd be a yeah. big yeah. a big no no. <laughs> So, like, you know, um, obviously, you know, you've been kind of producing a lot of artwork and having a lot of exhibitions and shows in Aberdeen and stuff. I'm kind of wanting to find out, like, you know, what's something you learned early on, early on in your career to kind of be a better, art, better artist? Hmm. Yeah, that's a tricky one because I still feel like I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. I think I'm all, I would never, hopefully I'll never think I've gotten to the point where I'm like, this is great. Look yeah. at that. I'm really proud of that. I think whenever I've made something, I, I just look at it and think, I could have done that better. Okay. And I think that that's what drives you to make new work and to keep pushing yourself is not ever being quite 100% satisfied. Yeah. And I think that's a healthy thing. Mm. And I mean, I'm way to start working on new stuff soon and I'm always thinking of ways to push myself. Yeah. How can I make it different? Because I don't want people to look at my work and think oh that's a nice style that's interesting but it's always the same it's yeah. really samey yeah. and I don't want that because you know people get tired of that mm-hmm. and not only that I'll get tired of it if yeah. I'm not challenging myself whether it's intellectually or you know with practically with skills whether it's you know with my camera or whatever it is I don't really feel like I'm I don't know I think I'm always trying to best what I've done okay. and better myself I'm yeah. quite ambitious like that I think yeah. and I think it's I don't think it's negative in any way although you can be your own harshest critic a lot of the time you've got to watch that as well Mm. but uh, I won't be resting on my laurels anytime soon yeah I think I remember I had a feeling when when the slack stuff and then seeing even like your work and everyone else's artwork I was like oh I do stuff with young people I'm kind of gonna not really show mine out there you know it's that kind of like self-conscious like absolutely yeah like like not like um criticizing anyone's work but kind of seeing the value and the potential of like what you know you could be doing as an artist or a creative person being like oh actually I need to be doing more stuff I need to be like pushing myself and challenging myself a bit more you know yeah absolutely it's quite inspiring to see what your what other people are producing as well and that's one of the great things that I think 
I missed about art school was you could walk through all the studios and be like, what are you doing today? And, you know, someone's making something really lovely out of silver and you know, this person's doing a sculpture. And, you know, it's just like that kind of sense of a peer group. It can be quite galvanizing as well because yeah. it can make you up your game as yeah. well. Like if you see somebody's making something and you're like, wow, that yeah. is that is really good. And the, the Slack thing was like that for me as well mm. because there was lots of people that... I thought, wow, that's you know, that's really good yeah. what, what you're doing there. Yeah. And I think I think artists can be particularly bad for suffering from imposter syndrome a bit of always feeling like someone's gonna rumble me yeah. any minute <laughs> and they're gonna be like, You're not an artist, yeah. get out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I still feel really uncomfortable with calling myself an artist. Yeah. I feel like when I say it, when I say hello, I'm an artist, that someone's gonna like barge over and be like lies and I'll be like oh my god I'm sorry I know stop lying Jenny I'll just pack, like, yeah I'll pack up all these horrible pictures and leave I'm sorry yeah yeah absolutely I think you know what you're saying is like you know for me I don't see I don't describe myself as an artist but a kind of creative practitioner yeah I don't know like you know and even saying that I think like there's that kind of pressure you're putting yourself to be like someone says oh you said you're a creative practitioner, so prove it then. Yeah. Like, oh, okay then. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. It's like if you said, oh, I'm a, I'm a rapper, and they're like, yeah. all right, we'll freestyle right yeah. now. And you're like, oh no, it's dried up. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like, oh, no, no, it's not the right time just now. No, like, yeah. <laughs> no I haven't had breakfast. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not feeling good today. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think... I think even trying to label it in any way, it can be quite quite daunting. It's mm. giving yourself a title in a way. Yeah, yeah. And I think I've gotten some people, when people refer to me as an artist, I'm like, okay, well, that's your decision to, mm. to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think the more that I do and the more experience that I get, I'm more comfortable mm. with, with that idea. Um, I don't think I'll ever be ever be totally comfortable with it. Yeah. But I think that's just a confidence thing mm-hmm. um, as well. And I think it's also the way people define it what does it mean to be an artist like we were talking about earlier and I think that the word creative is maybe more it's more broad spectrum and people feel more comfortable being like well I'm a creative because nobody's asking you to you know define that yeah and I think that when you say you're an artist people are like oh so you you know you've got a studio um and where are you showing right now and you're like (laughs) my studio is my spare room and I am currently showing on Instagram (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, but this is this is you know um, Elaine Coville from the Closet, who's on back in last year in November, saying like how useful Instagram is for her, and I'm seeing that a lot online now with artists or any creative individual. You can use that platform to promote yourself. Yeah. And it kind of reaches out to not just people in Aberdeen area, but you know the UK and beyond. You know, so even like when I think you know someone's saying oh where's your students and stuff like that I think that's kind of like more or less the old kind of way yeah. of thinking a bit you know? yeah definitely the way of defining it in yeah. the, day, the days of yore when you know mm. I was meant to be you know in a corner with a palette and a pained expression on my face and, and if I'm not doing that people don't know what to do with it like <laughs> yeah. you know I think I remember um, an, a lecture I had very early on when I was at art school and uh, the lecturer said if you tell someone you're an artist and they ask you, what do you paint? You tell them to fuck off. <laughs> I remember thinking that was just like glorious because yeah. it was not, def- you were not defined. Like people need to get rid of this notion that everyone paints. I mean, yeah. people still, there are so many yeah. very talented painters mm-hmm. working out there, but it's way more broad oh, in terms of what, you know, what 
output people are producing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, still, it took me, even when I was doing photography, there's still lots of people out there who don't think photography is art. Okay. And they're like, oh, how is that any different? Everyone's got a camera on their phone. And m- my favourite thing is when people say to me, I could have done that. Yes. And then... To which my response always is, why didn't you? Or why don't you? Because there's nothing stopping you. I think it's like people say that because I think they want to sort of be like, that's rubbish. Which is great because I always say, well, I think my job's done because I've provoked a response. And even if it's a negative response, Mm -hmm. you've still managed to provoke a response out of somebody. Absolutely. I've probably heard a lot of people over the years say that like, oh, really? Is that like, oh, I could have done something like that. But yeah, but why don't you go and do something then? Yeah, go on. Yeah. Yeah. Make a proposal. But then it does provoke that kind of debate and discussion. Okay, why do you think this is shit? Or mm. good and stuff. Oh, you know, it's okay, well, that's, you know, it's all kind of relative to what you think. You know, the artist is not kind of saying, want everyone to be like, oh, this is amazing. I love your work, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even in the, you know, the Paris salons, when mm. it was like, you know, impressionism was kicking mm. off and people were going, oh my God, this is <laughs> awful. Look at that. That is that meant to be a room? It looks like a cloudy day. Yeah. And you know, and everybody was like totally get all agitated about yeah. that. I think it's whenever there's anything that's new or mm. unusual. Or sometimes I think I, I think sometimes when it's challenging. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't say that people shy away from it no. challenging things. But no. I think that there is a really important place for art in terms of challenging people's perception of mm. yeah what is art mm. i think i think art's job some of the time is to make people ask difficult questions oh yeah, yeah. either interrogating art itself or of themselves or of culture and society mm. more generally and i think that that's one of the most valuable places that art has and that's why, why i'll always be on my soapbox about it because i think you can tell a lot about a society by the way it treats its artists and its mm-hmm. art definitely and I think that's one of the great things that's happening in Aberdeen over the last while is there's been such like a, a revival mm-hmm. of the creative community and, yeah. and, you know, there's so much going on and from makers markets to festivals and, you know, there is a real calendar out there to engage people with to show, look at all the, you know, the talented people who are working in this area yeah. that people maybe before weren't aware of or there wasn't the platform for because, I mean, I used to sort of say there's a very limited amount of wall space in Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. I think it's better now because you're not just looking for walls. There's yeah. so many people are so good at self-promoting now yeah. and, and pushing projects forward without the need for tying themselves to a space or, mm. or whatever it is. Yeah, it's just about it's about motivation and sort of keeping yourself going, which can be hard. And that's it because I remember like I think it was like 2013 and um, being at work and having a laugh with colleagues and said Aberdeen put a bid in for the city of culture. Oh yeah, thinking like I snorted. Yeah, yeah. A derisive snort, yeah. which is really bad of me. And yeah. and, and you're looking back on it, I'm like, there was me being one of those people that's like, mm. oh, Aberdeen's shite. Yeah, there's nothing going on here. Blah blah. And you sort of think, well, that's a really counterproductive, negative mm-hmm. view to have taken. And there's but there's people who have been real like powerhouses in terms of trying to change that yeah. and turn it around. Like you see that with the whole new art, and I think they got like three years of actually funding. Yeah. And I'm just thinking like three years time what the city centre is going to be looking like you know yeah. I'm, just like, I'm excited to actually see that yeah absolutely you know? I, I think it's I think it's great and mm. anything that gets people engaged and interested yeah. is good yeah and it's good I think there's obviously probably people obviously in the higher levels in the local authority you know the council is actually recognising oh no, the oil and gas stuff is not the be on end all. You know, we got yeah. to, you know, embrace other revenues of kind of bringing people into Aberdeen and stuff. You know? Absolutely. And also, I think that 
the decline or the downturn in the oil and gas industry has had quite a negative impact on the city psychologically. Mm-hmm. I would say, I think that, you know, this sort of huge sways of people losing their jobs yeah. and their livelihood. And I know so many people that have been personally affected mm-hmm. by it and it's not been nice. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the time people kind of, you know, chuckle about it and think, oh yeah, those poor, poor people in their Audis yeah. and oh, I won't shed a tear. But no, there is a real human impact there. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I think that art can kind of, or in, in art and culture in general can kind of, it's, it's a positive force. And I think that, I'm not saying that it replaces any of that, but I think there, you need to feel that there's things going on in your community. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, that are positive and different. Because mm. um, I think, you know, there's a lot of people who are still pre- feeling pretty sore about everything that's been going on. Mm. And, you know, it's very difficult. Yeah. I think, yeah, we're seeing a lot of kind of constant changes. And, and I was kind of disappointed to hear even about like the youth festival. The funding was poor, and I don't know whether it's going to be back as as the same level as it used to be for all these years. But I think that's one of the first things that kind of, kind of like not woke me up to Aberdeen, but see like, oh, Aberdeen are doing things, and I moved up here for two thousand two or three, I think, no, two thousand four. So I moved up here, and then I was seeing that the youth festival, international youth festival, was like, oh, this is amazing, this mm. is really nice. That uh, really kind of disheartened to hear that you know it's not really kind of moving forward anymore. But if it does move forward, it's going to be on a much smaller scale. That's yeah. such a shame, you know, like you've obviously seen these changes that money has to be saved somewhere, but it's kind of like obviously something that's really kind of still being still being attended by people yeah. and then someone in, in their higher up saying, oh no, it's not worth it anymore. It's sometimes you can feel that that's sometimes the first thing to go, yeah. isn't it? Because it feels like an extra or it mm-hmm. feels not frivolous or something. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I mean, I would never say that, but yeah. it can sort of feel like, do we really need that? Is it essential? Yeah. And I think these things are essential. Yeah. They are. Oh, definitely. And especially engaging um, young people. I mean, I think as well, especially, <clears throat> I think it's good that for engaging that particular audience, letting people know that there's other, there's stuff going on in Aberdeen that's worth staying in the city for, yeah. for one, because graduate retention is a huge problem. Because mm-hmm. I remember, you know, when I finished art school, most people I know are like, bye, I'm off to Glasgow, I'm off to Edinburgh, I'm off to London to get a job. And lots of people I know have done that and been really successful. And I mean, I left for a while, lived in Edinburgh and Glasgow and ended up coming back for one reason or another. And to begin with, I was pretty nervous about it because I was like, how am I going to re-engage with the community here? Um, I mean, there's still people here that I knew, but I think the Slack thing was really key in that yeah. because it kind of reconnected me back into that that community. Yeah. Um, so I think showing people that there's, there's lots of avenues and as well as for creative careers or careers in the creative industry that... You know, you don't have to go and work in the oil industry or you don't have to, to work for, you know, whatever private sector or whatever it is. But there's other options out there. And I think that it's also good to kind of voice that, you know, you, if you want to be an artist or you want to work in art, that you can make it work and you can yeah. make it work in this city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but it's still, you know, it's still difficult. You still have to do a lot yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's kind of part and parcel of yeah. being. How, how have you found being like, oh, it's like working because solitary, how have you found that? Oh yeah, that's difficult. Sometimes yeah. that's why, I, I, that's another thing, I'll keep begging up the Slack course. Um, it, re- it was like, oh, I can go and sit and talk to a whole room yeah. of people who are like me <laughs> and it makes you feel warm and fuzzy and <laughs> you sort of think all those days that I spend staring out the window drinking a cup of tea with like a pile of paper in front of me, like, why aren't you doing anything? <laughs> and beating yourself up about not yeah. being productive because... I think it's really difficult when you try and schedule being creative into these time slots. Like, oh, I've got a free afternoon on this day of the week. I better make some work. 
And you sit down and you're like, you either make an absolute, you know, pile of pish <laughs> that you just like put to one side and go, well, well, or you do nothing. Mm-hmm. And I found that the pressure of just having these little confined times was terrible to begin with. Mm-hmm. But what did it for me was having deadlines. It's that classic thing. If somebody's asked you to do something by this particular and time. the pressure is just kind of like, yeah. I'm doing it. Yeah. You just have to do it. Yeah. And I know it's like a really terrible piece of advice. I remember once phoning someone up and I was struggling with a a particular scene that I was doing with a stop motion animation where I was filming it outside. And that is like hell on earth because the light keeps changing and it looks rubbish. And I remember phoning someone and be like, I can't do this. It's too hard. And they were just like to me, you just have to do it. And at the time I was like, I wanted to like throw my phone over like, you know, so many gardens yeah. because I was just like that doesn't help mm. but there's sometimes nothing else you can say yeah. um, and it's like sometimes I've you know I've learned the hard way what does and doesn't work for yeah. me and like trying to do concentrated bursts of creativity just mm. because you've got a space in your calendar yeah. isn't the way to go because yeah. your brain doesn't work like mm. that I think being creative you need to be relaxed uh, you know what's really funny is I'm I'm saying this and I'm imagining all those times that I've just been like on the floor trying to fix a frame like with tears in my eyes like <laughs> the night before an event <laughs> it's like I remember seeing a diagram about the creative process and it's like at the end there's this little bit and it just says all the work while crying and then you finished and it's like it's so true it's right. just like you go through these stages and be like oh I'll plan out and it's gonna go great and then you're like oh my god yeah I guess you know, it's kind of like a little particular things of this like why is why isn't this working? Yeah, and kind of sometimes learn to take your way self away from it and coming back to it and then you know then yeah. having like a new fresh approach and stuff. So did you ever did you ever kind of establish like a routine or a way of actually getting focused and the mindset? Did you kind of have to have music on? Yeah, silence or no? I think music is very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I. <clears throat> love my spotify account mm. and or sometimes i used to really appreciate getting a bit of fresh air like go for a walk get myself coffee or mm. when i used to be a really keen runner go for a run uh, to clear my head and then sit down and kind of go through this i do have a bit of a, i notice i do have a bit of a routine that usually involves leaving the house first then coming back mm. making a great big calf chair of coffee mm. and sitting down getting the tunes on and then just sort of you know, trying, trying to, trying to make some work. But I think yeah. a lot of the time, I didn't realize that kind of neglecting, looking after myself from being so busy, mm-hmm. that was really impacting it as well. Because I'm one of those people that I'm like busy, 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 and sometimes you just need to take a few days off of everything. Yeah. And how rejuvenating that can be. Because I said to you about the Christmas break, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm gonna make some work. It's gonna yeah. be great. And I take my camera out every day, <laughs> and I sit there with a notebook and write all these profound thoughts down. And no. Yeah. I, I put my feet up, I will admit that. And well, I think it's that kind of time as well. And I remember even at my job at work, I was kind of like, I'm actually looking forward to this break because I'm not working in between, you know, this year. I'm just going to relax. I'm just going to chill out and stuff and just watch crappy stuff on TV. Yeah. And I thought that was gonna, it feels actually quite good to actually just take a break from stuff. You know, it does. Like, nope, I'm dropping that just now and I'll go back to that at this time and, you know. Yeah, um, I think you need to do that for mm-hmm. your own well-being. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, if you just, if you're all about work all the time, you don't give yourself a chance to kind of, I don't know, grow in any way. Mm. I suppose it sounds a bit cheesy, but I think psychologically, I think there's always stuff ticking over in the back of your mind, mm. whether you know it or not. Yeah. And I sometimes think that that works for me creating work. I've maybe looked at loads of stuff and had mm. loads of ideas and, and then it all kind of just stews in the background. And when I come to do something, I find that 
the dots have been joined together yeah. nicely. And I'm like, thanks, brain. Yeah. Although other times, you know, I'll sit there and be like, you know, the idea of calling myself an artist, I'm like, the shame. I'm so ashamed. <laughs> One thing I wanted to ask you is like, as a female artist, have you ever felt that you've been treated lesser in comparison to like selling your work and stuff or kind of negotiating? I think it would be unwise to suggest that being a female artist does not put you at a disadvantage. Okay. I would say that the art world's always been quite male-dominated. Mm. I mean, but I think unique, well, not uniquely, but in Aberdeen there is a really strong like contingency of female Female, makers and artists that are doing really well. It's so good to see. Mm. And everyone's really good at supporting each other as well, which is great. But yeah, I think, you know, I remember reading an essay a very long time ago being like, why have there been no great women artists? Which is obviously not Not true true, because, you know, people are obviously looking in the wrong directions. Mm. But I think they meant historically in terms of like, you know, back back when Mm. you weren't allowed to go to art school, you weren't allowed to do this, you weren't allowed to look at male life models because you might faint and fall (laughs) off your chair or it might morally corrupt you and things like that. And you sort of think we've come quite a long way from, from then. And... I mean, I haven't, I'm trying to think personally if I've, maybe indirectly, mm. um, I've certainly, you know, seen some bad behaviour mm-hmm. in terms of uh, male artists who can mm. go unnamed. Okay. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, you know, I, I, I'm always aware of that, I yeah. think, as well. And, you know, it's like, but checking your privilege in different ways as well. Yeah. Like, being aware of, like, you know, how does being kind of white affect... Mm affect my operation in in the art community as well and being aware of that Mm -hmm. and I think you know you've always got to be aware of the things that stand technically you know I'll use air quotes in your favor and things Mm -hmm. that don't yeah yeah but uh, I think I remember reading an article on the same sort of vein of why have there been no great women artists by the what an art critic and he said it was because women had children (laughs) Well, because he was saying that they, you know, they go away and divert their attention to okay. looking after a child, so they don't make any work, so they have these huge gaps in their career, so you know, you know, they take a career break essentially, and that's why, you know, that's why they aren't successful because they're, you know, saddled with child rearing and all this, and yeah. I'm like, okay, sure. Um, although I did read an interview with Tracy Emin where mm-hmm. she talked about not having children and she said that one of the reasons that she didn't was because there's the the pool to be in the studio for her is so great yeah that there's you know she would feel like torn because mm. she couldn't give her undivided attention to totally, a child yeah. that she'd want to sort of be in the studio mm. and i understand that and obviously it's a hugely personal choice that's mm. affected by so many factors but uh yeah there's there's definitely a lot of debate there and there's still you know there's huge like mm feminist art movements yeah. that you know look to address this and they were interested in things like the gorilla girls i always looked at their their stuff and they used to have a big campaign of like why do women have to be naked to get into the metropolitan museum of art <laughs> you know yeah um i think um one thing i kind of was kind of curious about is like you know you mentioned about the kind of stop animation before mm-hmm. and you said you kind of had a break from that as well but yeah. there might be an opportunity to get him back into it or some yeah I've um, kind of discussed making some little shorts with um a collaborator mm. um recently but it's 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 a time thing as well mm. it's like you know having the time to like you have to set everything up in a very particular way and keep your light consistent and and all this kind of thing and I know I know all how to do that mm. I think because when I was making stop frame animations a long time ago I did them with a creative collaborator and when you know we stopped working together um, it was difficult to separate my kind of 
that part of my practice from working with another person. Okay. So I think doing it on my own was quite scary. It'd be, sort of be like, imagine you're always in a band yeah. and then you've got to go solo <laughs> and you're like, oh no, what if I get booed? Mm. Like basically it's that, it's that psychology behind yeah. it. It's a confidence thing, mm. but also I've moved away and focused on different different methods of making my work. I mean, I didn't do collage when I was at art school at okay. all. That came like the year I graduated. Mm. I think I just, for some reason, I was just playing about with, all these images that I'd found and because um, one of the reasons I call myself Corvid Eyes mm. um, is because I work like a magpie okay. and I collect things that just catch my eye mm. and they're in a big pile and then I kind of sift through and mm. pull things together um, and so that was I, I really enjoyed doing that yeah. but I think I have authenticity issues as a result because mm. a lot of people go I remember I think it was at a market I did fairly recently and this woman was like to her daughter, I but you could uh, you could cut some pictures out and stick it on a card, and it would be the you know you could do that yourself. And I was like, you know, great, yeah, absolutely. I think. Oh, was that the Etsy? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, that was there. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's great. You're encouraging your daughter to be creative. I tried to look at it in a positive yeah. way, but at the same time, you know, it's a backhanded. All you've done is cut something out and stick it down. Yeah. And I think it does, you know, I do sometimes question that. I think when I'm having those imposter moments of. Mm is what I'm doing actually art or, you know, I do question it a lot. And what I try to do is I try to incorporate lots of elements that I have actually produced myself in terms of a lot of my backgrounds, my pictures or photographs that I've taken or I I put in photographic images into the collage that are my images as well as mixing them with found images. But then I'm sort of like, am I just doing that because am I doing that because I'm developing my practice or am I doing that because I'm bit of justification yeah there, feeling like, insecure yeah, yeah. yeah and I think it's identifying and de- identifying that vulnerability but being open about it as mm-hmm. well that yeah. um you know and you know somebody came up to me and went I don't think this is art because mm-hmm. you've just found these things and put them together but I'd like to think that there's something in the arrangement yeah and, and the composition that's that's part of the process and I think that's something because I, I remember I came down my partner and we was looking around and stuff and we bought some things and just kind of thinking like I was going back home thinking like, you know, that's quite a vulnerable thing to kind of just have your store. And it was just your, your one that's really kind of beautiful set up, like mm-hmm. everyone else's is, is really you. good. And it's just kind of like, that's quite a vulnerable thing to like stand there oh, yeah. and have people come and walk in past and saying, oh, this is my work. Like, what do you think? You know, and stuff like, that's yeah. one of the biggest things I think you could do. It's kind of like going up on a stage oh, yeah. and just performing like a solo show. You know, and then yeah. everyone's just kind of looking, it's like, oh, right, you know, it's like... And you're kind of thinking the whole time, is anyone going to like this? Are mm. they going to rate it? It's, yeah. it's hard. I think, particularly with my work, I think it speaks to particular people. And mm. I get people who are really enthusiastic and lovely mm. and, and really like it and respond to it. And I'm like, oh, that's great. And then, you know, you get the occasional negative comment. But I think I've had a bit of a baptism of fire from invigilating my own exhibitions mm. for quite a long time. Yeah. And you get some pretty, um, get some pretty interesting uh, people. I remember um, I was a guy when I was doing the Creative Stories mm. show, and he sort of came around and he looked at every single individual piece of art in the exhibition and, and asked me a question about it, which I'm totally happy to explain. Yeah. But at the same time, I want people to look at it and make up their own minds. I'm not going to tell you what to think. Mm. Um, and he sort of went round and he was like, at one point, he said to me, um, "I think you maybe need to." 
see a psychologist or something uh, look at, looking at this work and I was like I was like okay I was like well that, that's your take on it but I was like you know there's definitely an element of expressing um, myself in these mm. in these pictures that deals with it probably does deal with difficult themes yeah. but I've always been quite open about that mm. um, I think and I think you'd be struggled to find artwork that doesn't have some sort of element of that person's inner life in yeah. it whether it's covert or otherwise mm. Um, so that was quite a funny one uh, but you know it's like things like that I just yeah. sort of like it's all water off the duck's back now yeah. uh, I've had some pretty interesting uh, characters a lot of I could have done that and yeah. you know I try to encourage people of all these outlets oh, they could, yeah, you, should, you know yeah. there's lots of places you could go to create yeah. work and yeah. uh, you know what yeah I think it's great the more creatives in the community the better come yeah. on let's all band together yeah. and then they're like suddenly backing I out the door <laughs> looking I, uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good way to kind of like have dialogue with people, you yeah. know, saying like, oh, okay, this seems like obviously you have an interest in doing being creative or like... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's trying to turn something that could be construed as a negative mm. into a positive. And yeah. I think it's good to have dialogue about about art anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's good to challenge what it is and what it means yeah. all the time. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, one thing I want to ask you with like, you know, the Me Too movement and the Time's Up kind yeah. of movement, like as an artist, do you think it's integral to your role to be touching on these social and kind of political issues i think it's i think it's hard not to sometimes because i think that when things are going on in a broader context culturally it's hard to not take some of that into yourself and and how that comes out in your work i think as definitely my work deals with some feminist themes in it i would say um something i've always been interested in and, and very vocal about um, you know, and I think the Me Too thing, I sort of thought about, you know, being at, being at events in the in the creative community where, you know, someone's touched me inappropriately and things like that. And, you know, I look back on it and I mean, I've always, as people who know me well will testify, reacted quite strongly to these mm-hmm. sorts of things and will give my opinion on the on the situation. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's, it's hard to not engage with it. Mm-hmm. I think for me personally, anyway, it's something that I've always had an interest in. Yeah. And, um, I think it's a very powerful movement and it's sort of, it really, anything that brings to light issues that people don't want to confront and I think there's a real place for art to do that. Definitely. I'm quite interested in art that's very challenging and what you would call transgressive art, things that make people uncomfortable. Yeah. I think that there's, there's a, sometimes there can be a lack of that. I think sometimes people need to be uncomfortable because it challenges the status quo. Yeah, do you know, I 100% agree about actually, you know, I can't remember who said this, but it's in like, you know, to get comfortable, you, know, you have to start getting uncomfortable to get comfortable. Mm-hmm. If that kind of makes sense. The same well, you need to kind of confront these uncomfortable issues and, you know, that are going on to actually start having these discussions and stuff. You yeah. Know? I think even though, you know, you see kind of stuff happen in America, even in the UK with like, you know, Westminster and stuff like that. It's almost kind of like, you know, I think there has to, there's a lot of people actually being exposed, which I think is... 100 percent you know great but it's almost kind of like the system that's in place as well yeah needs to be addressed it's kind of like it's just the individuals right now but it's not like looking at the system yeah, the structure like, of the systems that uh, allow this to happen absolutely and why is it normalized yeah. like why was it just something that people went oh yeah that's happened to me yeah and you know why why was it so endemic and mm. what always i found quite funny is that you know there was swathes of men that are like really really yeah. that's happened to yeah. you really and you're like um yes uh, like you know have you never been in a crowded bar and seen how people behave sometimes or yeah. like how how kind of blinkered are you to that experience yeah. like 
yeah, I think that that always like you know I, yeah. I saw like a really interesting interview the other day with them. Um, I think it was Sharon Stone, and they sort of asked her, "And have you ever been you know has it ever affected you in in your career?" And she just looked at him and she laughed, and it was this derisive like chuckle. And yeah. I was like, "What a stupid question!" Yeah, yeah. She works in the entertainment industry. She's an attractive woman. Of mm. course, she's going to have experienced like I this kind of treatment. Like, there's been many times even like you know having female friends saying to me and say it would be like a mixed group and saying, "Oh." pretend that I'm with you, I'm your partner and stuff yeah. because this guy won't is leave me bothering. alone yeah yeah and it's kind of like oh so yeah you know like no uh, is not a challenge yeah yeah is it, it, there's like this there's this common trope <laughs> in a lot of like a lot of movies mm. that like the persistence of this like it'll always be some like affable nerdy bogan of a character mm. that if they just try hard enough the girl will say yes. And it's like, mate, if she said no, it's just like, jog on. I, I think there's this like perception of like, no means try harder yeah. or like, come and sing under my window at 3am. Yeah. No, I'll get a bucket of water like, and phone the police. Like, you know, and people say, oh, but that's not very nice. You're, you're killing romance. Yeah. And how are men meant to approach people? And it's like, like, you know, the woman is a person yeah, and just absolutely. have a conversation. Com- yeah, that's it. Like, yeah. I, I never just go up and, like, randomly touch people and yeah. s- to introduce myself mm. because you don't know what that person's boundaries yeah. are. I mean, some people are just really uncomfortable with being tactile. Mm-hmm. Like, just respect that. Yeah, Everyone's different. Yeah, Judge the situation when you come into it. Don't just think... And there's all these people now that are going to be like, oh, I can never touch anyone. And, yeah. oh my God, I can't ever approach anyone. Yeah. And it's like, no, nobody's saying that. It's yeah. just like, think about how you do it. If you're polite and respectful, mm. I've definitely had interactions with people where, you know, someone's maybe come up and, you know, tried to interact with you in that mm. kind of way. And you're like, oh, no, 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 thank you kind yeah. of thing. And they're like, okay, and they go away. Yeah. And then you get the ones that when you do that and say, you know, no, I'm not interested, mm. thank you. And they react uh badly and then you're like oh wow you are making yourself more appealing yeah, yeah. let's go on that yeah. date I, it's going to be delightful like <laughs> passive aggressive yeah like, yeah like passive aggressive psychological manipulation with like you know layers of like rage boiling underneath that i can see it's like you know hell hath no fury like the man rejected yeah. never mind the woman scorned it's just been a very kind of interesting back half the year with regards to all this kind of stuff oh, yeah. and like a lot of I think a lot of men in these kind of interests in these industries have been kind of you know quite funnily enough quite quiet, not mm-hmm. really saying stuff. So it's, it is it is kind of like you know the boys' club kind yeah. of thing, you know. And it's, I'm hoping like you know like with like I say like with art and stuff, you know, addressing these kind of issues and actually being not like controversial, but actually provoking reactions more because these kind of things will keep on kind of carrying on stuff you know if it's not we actually say no no actually let's kind of call bullshit when i see bullshit (laughs) yeah yeah. i think so i think there's definitely there's a huge place for art and that Mm. and it's also like showing it in different ways Mm -hmm. um that make people look at an issue differently yeah i think that that's something that art can do and to interrogate um these big problems um and i mean i see it in people's work like people are trying to like to challenge that and i think it's I think it's great. I think that's what's there. That's what it functions to yeah. for. I mean, for me particularly, I think that, you know, when people say, you know, what value does art have? And I think that that's what it's about. It's about mm-hmm. questioning mm-hmm. and asking questions. And, you know, it's like, then you could argue, well, what about just things that are just aesthetically beautiful? Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not, you know, saying anything bad about yeah. that. 
I'm just saying that there's there is a particular role there. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've seen that more so even like with travel stuff. I've seen a lot of artwork online, yeah. you know, and, it's good. and it gives you a little chuckle. It you does. Know? It yeah. does. I mean, there's a lot of good like sort of graphic design designers out there mm. doing hilarious things. Yeah. Um, to sort of dismantle that and it's it is a good it's a way for people to express their discontent yeah. i mean a lot of people shy away from being political i wouldn't say that my art is ever political um in it you know in it maybe inadvertently but and um, that's not something that i i deal with but uh i think it's it's good to to see these alternate opinions expressed in yeah. that way in a visual way mm-hmm. um because you can do a lot with that that you know maybe people who don't want to you know, read like article after article after article about it. And you can sum these things up very yeah. succinctly in an yeah, image, which definitely. I think is, which has a lot of power. Yeah. Um. And obviously with the online online platforms, I mean, you see how quickly images that have been put together people go viral. Like I see oh, yeah. all these sort of like Trump ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm not saying they're like a lot of them are amazing quality, but the amount they get shared and people are engaging with it because mm-hmm. it's summing up a general feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's I mean it's quite scary I think that it's like there's been some real seismic shifts it has it's kind of strange it's always kind of like when because I know like they're saying today is like he's actually yeah in being like a president and even kind of like thinking about oh he has a golf course in Aberdeen as well like this guy like it's just bizarre you think about all these little things and the way he's kind of, I think they had a, got a book that came out last week, a couple of weeks ago, and all these oh, kind of yeah. things are coming out and coming the out. Fire and, and fury. Yeah, and I've actually, I think I've told a few people as well, I've actually put a bet on that he'd be out of office by before the four year terms. And I think, and I was thinking, oh, hopefully, come on, keep saying stupid shit. <laughs> like, you know. Well, I think it's it's very, it's, it's an odd approach to being a president of just like firing off tweets at like you know five in the morning because you're yeah. like he's obviously got all of those tv screens on at once and they're like you know he's like bombarded with all this fake news and you know and he's sitting there with his tinfoil hat on yeah. like firing off all these tweets and it's like has any anyone ever behaved like that before it's like mm-hmm. it's almost like people don't know what to do because yeah. it's like he's i don't know some sort of angry child or something but there's a there's a position that he knows or privilege i'm guessing like the bit of the white privilege there that knowing that he could you know i'm not 100 percent a big fan of obama at all and some of his policies but yeah. obama couldn't really kind of comment on a lot of things and kind of like i think when the president obama was you know when he was president back way back um trump was kind of saying oh where's your birth certificate and stuff he did a power there that he knows he can have but he and trump knows oh i can say stupid shit and i yeah. think it's just kind of like whether I think he's quite a narcissistic, but I don't know whether he's getting quite turned on about some of the stuff he's doing. You know, it's kind of people just weird. It's kind of like yeah. the more bullshit they do, they're getting quite excited by it and stuff. You can be like, oh, you know. Yeah, like he's always been this sort of like rabble rouser who yeah. wants to like push the envelope in a yeah. way that. But I think one of the most troubling things is he's not he's not denouncing a lot of the you know the alt right yeah. and, and and things mm-hmm. like that that are going on, and I think that that's just. I don't know. He's alienating so many people. Yeah, but I think you know. It's just, I think it's kind of like these things. Whenever you get kind of like you know bad times, you kind of realize like, oh, let's just go back to some normality. So yeah. you know, next you know, we never know what will change in the next kind of coming up years and stuff. Even like you know, with us with Brexit, you know, yeah, like we we're going through a lot of uncertainties and stuff like that. You know, and we've got people like Theresa May is probably like still in that position. People are just kind of like, well. We'll kind of push you out. We'll give you like a Viking funeral. We'll kind of push you. Know, <laughs> we'll push you out to see when this is all done. Don't worry. And I think she more or less aware. She must be aware that. Oh okay. my goodness! I don't envy her at all. I yeah. mean, it's like talk about 
trying to like you know control all that i mean yeah. oh, i think it's difficult trying to juggle lots of jobs i wouldn't like it if someone said are you going to organize brexit yeah. be like no no no, no. <laughs> yeah. i mean how do you wrangle with something like that it's like all these things they all seem huge mm-hmm. oh god yeah but i mean like you say i just at the last couple of years i've just sort of sat back and looked at everything and thought wow yeah you know it, things have I don't know if we were coasting before with all these things, you know, all these things going on under the surface yeah. um, in terms of, you know, racism and, mm. and sex. I'm not saying that people weren't aware of it, yeah. but in terms of how it's like being discussed more openly yeah. in, in the general mm-hmm. media. Yeah. And it's not just confined to debates within certain circles mm-hmm. that people are hopefully, you know, moving forward. Oh yeah, definitely. I think there's, there's a sense, I guess with like-minded people people that in your circle you think that you can have these kind of healthy discussions and debates and stuff and yeah not being afraid they, as well yeah, i think a yeah. lot of people are afraid of discussing these difficult topics because mm-hmm. obviously they don't want to say something wrong because i think in the age of like trial by twitter yeah. everyone assumes that if i say one thing wrong mm-hmm. i'm gonna get roasted yeah. and everyone's gonna hear about it and it's like you know nobody's asking you to have these perfectly informed yeah. informed thesis on the subject like you know come on let's hear it like when you're doing your phd viva stand up and defend your thesis and you've got a room full of people who are just like asking you the worst questions ever that's not what we want we want people to not be afraid to like challenge their own viewpoints as well yeah oh Um, definitely and and not just like i think the problem is that some people are like no i've made up my mind on this issue and Mm -hmm. i'm just going to keep going because i don't want to lose face Mm -hmm. by being like no actually i was wrong about that yeah yeah I think, I, I think yeah. that's kind of like in even in America and the UK, even with us with Brexit, I think that's kind of, I think that's the kind of like underlying thing. Oh shit, we're committed to this is going <laughs> through. Like this train's gonna crash, but brace yourself. I've you know? started so I'll finish. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, no, I know. I mean I was when I was in America, it mm. was the oh, Obama yeah. presidency at the time and I remember it was during the time of the elections and I was watching some of the T V coverage and I did ask like quite a few Americans when I was there, mm. you know, I broached the subject of, of Donald Trump and it was it you know, it's one of those things that's absolutely polarizing the minute you yeah. bring it up. Mm. And I kinda stopped doing it after a while because I was like, Okay, maybe even I've had enough of it but it's it's interesting i mean i couldn't even believe that 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 was the outcome i was just but i think it was kind of less like less of two evils i think you know they're both criticisms for trump and hillary yeah i think so i think that for a lot of americans that i don't want to speak Mm. for them but it seemed like it was quite a difficult election yeah and i guess like hillary's kind of going back to that bill clinton administration wasn't kind of like a clean run kind of shot so people's thinking like oh no no thank you you know but uh, yeah, you know, it's it's always kind of interesting to have like discussions with creative people, like see like what their f- views about it. And I think like the discussions I had so far, speaking about it on the podcast or not with creative people, it's always kind of to being like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, absolutely. Like, because I think you'll find that most people who are are creatives yeah. are usually on the liberal end yeah. of the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So you'll get that kind that kind of debate mm. going on. But also, I think sometimes. Um, I think you can be surprised in any discussion mm-hmm. of people's openness and mm-hmm. that can be quite heartening I think sometimes yeah. as well even when I discuss things with like you know older people yeah. in my family or something yeah. and I can be quite you know I think sometimes when you've got a certain viewpoint in your own mm-hmm. mind like I you know I have a view on something and I assume that other people will have a particular view and that's wrong and I'm doing it yeah 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 I, I know I shouldn't stereotype people or think mm. like you know oh they bet they voted for Brexit yeah. 
look at them, look at, look at them getting angry about you know about the fact that there's like a spicy soup on the menu. I'm, I'm sorry, it's not Scotch broth. Like you know, and they're like, oh, this is Brexit to blame yeah. for this. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I, I try to be um, as self-aware as I can yeah. be as well, and think about. Um, you know where my work sits in amongst all this yeah. as well because a lot of the images that I use are, are historical images mm. and I think a lot of them you know were are taken from times when people had gone to all these like foreign countries mm. and, and brought back specimens of animals or plants and, and drawn them and there's a real colonial legacy there yeah. and uh, you know an imperialist it's kind legacy. of like the kind of Victorian kind yeah, of images a lot of them yeah. are a lot of them are 19th century yeah. um, but it, I know there's like early 20th century mm. ones in there as well um, so I think that sometimes, you know, there is like, there's things in there that I see that are problematic yeah. and I'm like, but I'm acknowledging that and I'm like, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't use these sorts of images. Yeah. Um, but it is interesting that all that came out of that. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I've, I was so interested in the evolution of natural history of mm-hmm. how natural history museums came into being. And that was kind of what my PhD was about. It was about um, curating difficult natural history collections. Yeah. Um, so things that had been taken from other countries and you have this whole issue of like, you know, repatriation. And mm. if, if you have something that, uh, there was a, it was a, a prominent case a few years ago and it was to do with a sort of a first nation a tribe in the, in the U S and there was a, I think it was Glasgow museums owned this particular shirt that was, okay. um, and what ended up happening was it was repatriated back okay, to the tribe cool. and a replica was put into the collection yeah. And there's so much in museum collections mm. that's like been taken from this country, taken from that country, yeah. and even things like human remains. Yeah, because that's what happened in Aberdeen, isn't it? Was it a few years ago? It was the, I can't remember the, the tribe, I don't know if they're off the coast of New Zealand or something, but they had the heads. Yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah. It was like, oh, this must have been back 2008 or nine. I can't remember, but they actually got the collection back because this, this was at Marshall College when it used to be like the museum bit. At least have the heads on display, but when it's getting redone up and stuff, and uses council offices, I think the tribe said, "Oh no, these are, these are our ancestors and stuff, and they're yeah. given back willingly." Thank God, you know. But it's it's kind of interesting. You kind of like touch on these things, you know. It's just like absolutely. Out. I think being aware of that is really yeah. important, and yeah. I think looking at all those, being immersed in those museum collections, gave mm. me a good perspective on that. And because I used to work um, in the part of the PhD I was doing, I was in the Glasgow Museums Resource Centre. Mm. And there's like everything in there. Okay. Like there's, it's amazing. Right. It's absolutely amazing. But you know, there's like there's things in there that've been taken from all over the world, and mm-hmm. and that was one thing that interested me of like all these sort of animals, yeah. and bits of animals, mm-hmm. and like and they're preserved like objects. Yeah. And I, I, that was something I was so fascinated cool. by. Um, but they had they had lots of things, and that was a case that I looked at where they they'd given that shirt back, mm-hmm. and I thought that's the that's the mod that should be the modern approach. Oh yeah, definitely. Of, yeah. of you know looking in these collections mm-hmm. and being like, oh, you see all these bones that are from like these tribes. I think we should maybe give them give back, them back. Yeah. so they can you know, yeah. you know bury them. I think that would be great because we don't need to harvest things yeah. to learn about them. Obviously, mm-hmm. that was the approach of back like then, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna mm-hmm. go out and into this jungle and I'm gonna take back all of these birds mm. and you know and you think thank goodness people don't have to kill things to study them anymore yeah, yeah. you can take a photograph <laughs> like that, that, that will suffice we don't need to unless you're studying the dna and things like that yeah. but obviously there's ways of doing that yeah. that don't involve like mass murder of yeah that would, yeah that of would, insect that would populations. be like a bad like you know, bizarre time isn't it oh that looks nice shoot it catch yeah, it yeah, absolutely yeah. that is ex- exactly yeah. what they did you yeah. know they come back with a boat full of stuff and go yeah. you won't believe what we found and <laughs> um, I, I was really interested i remember 
seen a very long time ago there was an illustration one of the first illustrations ever done of a rhino mm. and it had been someone had described what the rhino looked like mm. to the artist and obviously the, the way the thing looks in the drawing is like bloom i mean it's it, it's almost there but yeah. it looks sort of like it's wearing a suit of armor <laughs> um and you sort of think i think it's amazing looking back at those times when all mm. these things were undiscovered yeah. but obviously attached to that there is this dubious legacy mm. of going and pillaging other nations yeah. of of these things mm. and you know it, it, i think that you have to you have to recognize that oh yeah yeah um so some you know i tend to when i'm doing my work i'm quite selective with the imagery mm. that i use um so i don't uh, don't want to i don't know deal with anything that I don't feel I'm capable of dealing with because mm. I think you know there's debates there's certain debates I'm probably totally not informed on mm. so I have to keep, keep yeah, challenging myself yeah, on that yeah. you know to understand it um, instead of just plowing on with things and unintentionally you know getting into an arena you didn't think you'd find yourself in yeah it's putting something out there and somebody saying oh do you know where that's from yeah exactly <laughs> you know? like, and yeah. that would be that'd be terrible yeah. I mean I spend so much time researching my work and you know I would you know that's totally not the direction I'd be wanting to go mm. in but I mean, you know, you see, but then I suppose that's what I was saying about things being being transgressive in some respects. And yeah. um, I think I found so much work like that about about animals. And uh, one of the things that I've looked at was a, a particular project that this artist called Eduardo Katz had done where he took, um, so he engineered, genetically engineered a rabbit um, and infused it with, in collaboration with a laboratory in mm. France, and engineered it um, to have this particular protein taken from a jellyfish called GFP protein, which makes the rabbit glow in the dark. Okay. Oh, all right. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I've seen this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Al- Alba, the rabbit, yeah. it's called. And, um, yeah, the glowing bunny. And, I mean, you, people have um, done that for pets. You know, you can get mm. fish that glow in the dark and yeah. things like that. And you sort of think, okay, so are, you know, what are the ethical implications of this? Mm-hmm. And, and people make like semi-living life forms as well, but they've engineered sort of tissue to be alive and mm. they use it as part of a project. And then kind of like, what do you do at the end of the project? Do you like euthanize the yeah. tissue? Like, you know, when do you consider something to be a living being? And when does it start to have these these wider considerations of how it's treated? Yeah. And, and should you be using that as a, a method for making art? Yeah. So I, I, did a, I did a dissertation all, all about that. And some of the debates within there are so like kind of cross over into you know food production and mm. and farming and things like that and it's, it's only when you start looking at an issue that you realize like the ripple effect that it has across yeah, yeah across culture because like we're speaking about earlier the stories mm. that are in the news like yeah. you know you're saying you know is your work influenced by that and then there is that ripple effect mm. that it does go out mm. and it does change mm. the way people make work yeah. whether that's conscious or not and i think that that's that's important as well. I mean, sometimes it's hard to pinpoint it. I mean, I, I, I look at my work and think I was saying it's not very political, but, you know, is it influenced by the climate that I'm in? Probably. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. One thing I want to ask you before we kind of finish up is like, so what's new for you this year? What kind of things are you be you getting up to? Um, I've got a couple of, I've got a couple of projects that are kind of location specific that I'm making work for, which is mm-hmm. great. So I'm trying to do different themes of work. Um, I'm going to be looking at a project where I'm going to go and, uh, I did, I did a, a project that was very inspired by sort of the, sort of the seaside in a way and everything nautical. So I'm moving away from that and I'm going to go like more rural mm-hmm. and I want to kind of make something. So I'm going to go and disappear and do a bit of research for a while I've got some ideas um, and I want to kind of look at our kind of... I think Aberdeen's great in a way because we're so close to the coast. Yeah. 
but we have all this amazing countryside mm. as well. So I'm going to go and uh, change my theme a bit and uh, it's still going to be very much animal imagery because mm. I think there's something about using animals in my work that everybody can kind of... It's like how nature documentaries are so popular because yeah. everyone's interested mm. in animals because they're quite... I don't know if they're expressive in a different way so I think I enjoy using them in my work in that way as well so I'm, I'm trying to I think what I'm trying to work through uh, you can tell I haven't quite resolved it because I'm being really <laughs> ineloquent about it but yeah it's, it's trying to look at different ways of doing that yeah. basically so I'm trying to challenge my practice and I'm going to involve a bit more of an element of my photography in it as well mm. but just moving towards a more kind of rural theme than a seaside theme which sounds very basic mm. but when I say something like that, it's because I'm going to go and burrow away and do lots of research, okay. and maybe in a particular area I haven't cool. decided. So, um, it's going to be influenced very much by the natural environment mm. and the sort of the creatures that live therein. Mm. So oh, nice. that's and I think I've got, um, I'm meant to be involved in the painted door project as well. Oh, okay, that's coming terms, back again. Yeah, oh, in terms yeah. of um, so that's a challenge for me. In oh, yeah. I'm going to be doing like a like a collage paste up. Oh. So trying to take my work outdoors has been a challenge okay. because obviously you, know, you need to think about adhesion and yeah. things like that. So um, I'll be doing something with that at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been experimenting with all types of, types of adhesive and, and that's been a great challenge as well because it's thinking about taking my work on a different scale yeah. and it's outdoors. And I think that this is something that's made me really think about how I work mm-hmm. um, and the materials I use, which is great yeah. because in terms of scale, I've started to play with scale more whereas I, I always kept my images at a certain size because I, the way they were found and now when I'm digitising them um, I can make them as big or as small as I want which yeah. sounds really obvious but I was very much paper based and now when I'm looking at things right. and what you can do digitally it's yeah. like opened up a whole new right. whole new set nice. of possibilities there as well so that's exciting cool. um, and I'm always looking for um, other projects and mm. no doubt I'll do some markets and things like that yeah. but I try not to do too much mm. oversubscribe myself and yeah. also I've got to be wary of not always trying to make work that I think is sellable mm-hmm. if you know what I mean yeah. um, it's a great money maker on the side of my my practice I think you need to, you need to generate income so I mm. make like you know greetings cards and things like that which I think you know some artists would think that was total cringe like why are you diluting yourself like that you know why are you you know have some integrity I suppose some people might say but I think my problem is I tend to look at things from every angle because coming from being an academic I'm used Mm. to taking an issue and challenging it in every way Mm. because if you if I was going to stand up and make a statement about something there'd be somebody who'll counter you so when I'm making my work I look at it from every way around okay and that's Mm. you know that's the way that I I try to work anyway Mm. um so I think there's a lot of challenges ahead. All right, cool. And so where can people kind of find you on like social media? Um, I'm on Instagram, mm. which is just at Corvidize. Yeah. I'm on Facebook. I think it's Corvidize by Jenny Hood. Mm. And I have a website, which is jenny-hood and it's .com or .co.uk. They both okay. go to the same page. Cool. Uh, which needs a bit of an update, but mm. I have a wonderful, talented friend who's a graphic designer who does my website for right. me. Thank you, Lindsay. Mm. And because uh, I'm, I'm not very skilled in the art of coding. Oh, That's okay. another thing I should have learned at school. Right. <laughs> I should have been. I'm going to be a computer whiz, <laughs> mum. But, <no. laughs> but sometimes you, you just need to defer. It was like the thing we were talking about earlier. Like yeah. just because you're creative doesn't mean that you can you yeah. can do everything that's yeah. creative. Yeah. No way. Yeah. No way. So. Um, 
yeah, hoping to get some new stuff on my online shop as well. I've got an Etsy shop, which is a link to from my website, but right. it severely needs a refresh also. Oh, but okay. when I create that, you know, 20, you know, 20 day week, then maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll get on to that. Well, no, thanks. Thanks so much, um, Jenny, for coming on. It's good to catch up with you as well. Um, definitely looking forward to seeing what you'll be producing for this year and maybe have you back on if you want to come back on the podcast as yeah, well. Yeah, I'd love to. It's been great. Yeah, thanks. So, yeah, no, that was, I don't know what episode this was. Is it five? I think it's five. Yeah, I think it's five. I had a bit of a ramble in December. You might have heard it, you might have not. I also for, keep forgetting to mention that the Creative Me podcast wouldn't be here without it from the creative funding team if they cancel. I've had, slightly forgot to mention that a number of times, <laughs> so I thought I'd mention that now. I guess... If I didn't get that funding, the podcast wouldn't be up and running. I think it would be up and running, but maybe or not on a, maybe in a much more smaller scale, possibly. So thanks to the creative funding team for supporting me do this little project, and I'll probably catch up with you guys another time soon. Probably in the next week, we have a lot of interesting and creative people coming on the podcast um, for the next few months. So um, yeah, I'll catch up with you guys soon. It says thank you from the host Ike Headlam and thank you Jenny Hood. Thank you. So thanks. Bye.